Again, we're, uh, we're thankful to have you with us today. I realize there's a number of things that you can be doing on 4th of July Sunday morning, like lighting off bottle rockets already, or, or throwing uh, the snap pops on the ground, or lighting those snakes or something. Uh, but you, uh, you've decided to be here, and we think that's a good thing. And if you've come as a friend or a, a family member to, to somebody who regularly attends Genesis, welcome. Uh, we're in this series called Truish, and uh, we're here every single Sunday, and we'd love to have you here with us. Uh, we'd, we'd sure love to have you be our guest. But this is our second week in a series that we are simply calling Truish. Uh, next week, when we come back, one of the things that I'm going to be talking about, it, it, kind of wrestling with a little bit, is this, this common belief in the world today that it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe something, as long as you're sincere about something, then that's all that really matters. And, and so we're going to talk that, about that next week. So I hope you'll make it a point uh, to come back and to be with us. Uh, and if you missed last week's message, the intro to this series, I'd encourage you to check out our website or go to our podcast and have a listen. But we're talking about this idea of truth. Uh, and that was the title of last week's, uh, of last week's message is, What is Truth? You know, what, what is truth in this world today? I, I like to define truth this way. Truth is, it's a standard uh, for which we can define things. It, it's a source that we can point to. It, it's the way that things were meant to be. It's the answer to some of the greatest questions that people in this world are asking today. Questions about purpose, uh, questions about eternity, questions about moral authority. As Christians, we believe the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the truth for this world. Uh, Jesus Christ is the truth for this world. He is the absolute truth. And as we learned last week, Jesus came into this world to testify to the truth, to say with his life and with his example, this is how things were meant to be. You know, this is what it all comes down to. And Jesus said this of himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, a very popular verse, a verse you may agree with or a verse you may not like what it says. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so let's start there. And that just may be a question for you to ask of yourself as we begin this morning. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is truth, is absolute truth for this world? You know, maybe it's an easy answer, maybe it's a not-so-easy answer, but I challenge you to think about that. You know, is Jesus Christ, in your opinion, do you believe that Jesus Christ is indeed truth for this world? And because I believe it's important for us to arrive at some sort of decision with that question because truth will dictate in some way the way that you behave, the way that you live and act. I mean, we believe that Jesus Christ, I believe that Jesus Christ is absolute truth for this world, that he is the standard for all things, that he is the source, that he is the creator of all things, of you and me, do you believe that Jesus is the answer? Well, according to one recent survey, 63% of Americans deny the existence of absolute truth today. 63% of Americans, according to the Barna Research Group, deny the existence of absolute truth, basically saying there is no truth. We're all left here on this world to figure out things for ourselves as we go, each to his own, you know, no truth. And what's even more alarming, and get this, the same study, 52% of Christians deny absolute truth today. 52%. I think we've lost our way. We, we've taken our eyes off of God, you know. But, you know, if no truth, then what? I mean, if no truth, then what? I mean, we, we arrive at this place, these truish statements, you know, these statements, we, we embrace them, we get our arms around them, we get our minds around them, and they sound good, they look good. I mean, the world is saying them, the world is teaching them, and we get behind them and say, you know what, that sounds right. 
you know, and, and sometimes there's some truth in them, but the world teaches us to believe a certain way, you know, a statement that looks good, it sounds good, it feels good, it's publicly accepted. You know, when you deny the existence of absolute truth in this world, you know, when you look beyond Jesus for significance in this world, it, it's easy to latch on to these truest statements and say, you know what, that's going to be my motivation. I'm going I'm to get my heart behind that. You know, and then we start believing statements like, well, all roads lead to heaven, or it doesn't matter what you believe, or God would never do that to anyone, or all religions are the same. You know, it, it's up to each person to define their own personal God. I mean, these truest statements. Well, we're going to look at one such statement uh, this morning that I think has many people by the throat today. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christ follower or, or not, you're new to this whole church thing or not. I believe there's one statement, there's one type of thinking that we may not instantly realize, but it's got every single one of us in some way today. And it's the statement, as long as you're happy. You know, as long as you're happy, then, then anything goes. It doesn't matter what you do or believe as long as you're happy. You know, as long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's almost like we are entitled to this as American citizens today, that we are entitled to our happiness. And, and this goes the same for, for Christ followers too. I mean, we serve a loving God, right? And because God is love, he is all about prospering us and he's all about blessing us and making us rich, right? He, he wants to reward us. He wants to give us the great desires of our heart. He, he wants to give us this exciting future. He wants us to be happy. I mean, really, when you think about it, the very bottom line with God is that happiness at all costs. That's the only thing that matters. And as long as I'm happy, well, it's a truish statement. It, it sounds good, it feels good, and in some contexts it, it might even seem right, but there's a danger in putting way too much stock or investment into such a statement. Because if you base everything in this world solely on your personal happiness, I can promise you this, you will end your life absolutely disappointed. I mean, if you base everything in this world solely on your personal happiness, I'll tell you right now that you will end up disappointed. And, and when that disappointment comes, you know, especially for Christians, it's easy to begin sliding down this slippery slope to the point where your faith is shattered and your desire to know God, it just kind of fades away. And from there, you know, if you're taking notes, and you can write this down, you, you kind of reason that, well, if God wants me to be happy and I'm not, then I guess God failed. If God is all about making me happy and I'm not, then I guess God is failing. Now, what's true about God and what's true about happiness? I'll tell you this. God is good. Fact. And I believe with all of my heart and the Bible teaches that God is a God of love. Fact. You know, and your heart and your life are absolutely precious to him. Every single person, you sitting here today, whether you know God or not, your life and your heart is absolutely precious to him. And I believe that God wants to bless you and I believe that he wants to bless his people in extraordinary ways and he's got great plans for your life. But when your life motivation is all about happiness at all costs, whatever it takes to make me happy, I think it puts us in a really interesting position when it comes to our relationship with God. Because here's what's easy to miss. God is God. You know, you and I like to think, you know, you know your two-year-old might like to think that, that she's God or that he's God, but God is God. 
You and I, we are are not God. We are here to serve God. We are here to bring glory to the name of God. We are to help people find their way back to him. And too often we make it all about, what do I get out of life? What's in this for me? What's the return on this for my end? You know, my personal satisfaction comes first. And we believe this. And then in our lives, the roles get all reversed. And instead of following Jesus, we start asking Jesus to follow us instead. And we like that. It it makes God very convenient. It makes our faith very convenient when we ask Jesus to follow us instead. I mean, for many, our relationship with God kind of becomes like these K-cups. Have you seen the K-cups? Anybody get a K-cup coffee maker for Christmas? I did. You've seen those K-cups? I mean, you you get uh, the assortment, the varieties of coffees. You've got at your disposal every single morning your own personal coffee maker. And if you buy the variety pack, then it's your choice every morning what tastes good, what blend works for today. And so maybe for you it's the chocolate glazed donut. You know, and you grab that and you put it in the dispenser and what do you know, in a minute or less you've got a a great cup of coffee or maybe for you it's the hazelnut or the Swiss almond chocolate or whatever. But, But your experience, your cup of coffee, your satisfaction is all your choice. Whatever you want, you know, it's my choice. It's what I want as long as I'm happy, as long as I get what I need. I'm in control here. You know, God, this is what I expect from you today. This is what I expect to receive from this situation. Make sure I'm happy. We do this with God. You know, we expect this from God as long as I'm happy. And maybe, you know, maybe it works for you for a while. Maybe you're in a season right now where everything's just smooth sailing. You know, and your drive for personal happiness and and God's great grace or for whatever reason, your gifts or your smarts or your money, you know what, you are pretty happy right now. But what happens when the day arrives and you're not happy? And because you're not happy, all of a sudden then you look to God and you just assume that God failed or he dropped the ball. And you're like, you know, God, I, I tried church. Look what happened. I, I prayed that prayer. Look what happened. I did the routine. I got baptized. I did all of these things. And now these things are resulting. I'm not happy. And so it looks like you failed or you're not real. I mean, do you see a pattern? Do you see this in others? You know, do you see this in your own life? It, it goes all the way back to the true statement as long is I'm happy. It's the slippery slope. It's Satan's lie. It's Satan's lie, this truest statement that he leads us to believe that as long as you're happy, then nothing else matters. It's Satan's way of leading us away from God. It's that slow drift. Now, now maybe it sounds a little extreme. It could be. But it's probably not as extreme as we think. Or maybe for you, you're like, well, you know, that, this isn't me this morning. This is somebody else. I, I think if we dig deep enough, if we ask the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us this morning, I think every single one of us will realize a bit. There, there is a bit of a motivation in it for us at times as well, as long as I'm happy. You know, I'm in it, you know, as long as things are going well. You know, that everything is centered on my personal happiness. I mean, think about it. Watch for it this week. You know, in your own life, in the lives of others, in the conversations that you see or that you're a part of. I mean, it's almost like personal happiness has become this false God that we all seek to bow down to. And look what Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. The writer here says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. You know, we get, we get caught up in it. We focus all our energy in, in finding happiness. You know, if we put all of our emphasis in walking down this road of continually seeking happiness, I mean, it becomes a dangerous road. I was reading that in Spanish, it's called El Camino de la Muerta. 
That's not bad. Is that, I may not have said it right, but it sounds good. You know, I don't speak Spanish, but when translated uh, into English, it means road of death. I found this interesting in one article. In 1995, the Inter-American Development Bank called it the world's most dangerous road. Uh, found in Bolivia, this, this particular road, rock road stretches uh, anywhere between 38 to 43 miles, depending on which path you take, depending on the source, and descends from La Paz, Bolivia, at 12,000 feet down to this beautiful rainforest at the basin of the Amazon River. Now, why so dangerous? Why is it called the most dangerous road in the world? Well, an average of 26 vehicles a year fall off of the cliff on this particular road. Uh, Each year, 200 to 300 people lose their lives. On July 24, 1983, over 100 passengers were killed when a bus went off of the edge and and crashed down into the bottom of the canyon. But despite all of the danger, despite all of the deaths, this road has become an increasingly popular tourist traction uh, since the early 1990s. Everything and anything for happiness, all cause. Proverbs says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, for so many of us today, our purpose in life is whatever makes me happy. It's this relentless pursuit of happiness. Whatever seems right, whatever feels right, that's all that matters. God wants me happy, right? You know, I'm entitled to this. I want to take just a minute and kind of show you uh, what can result uh, from having this endless, this relentless uh, pursuit of happiness in, in your life and in my life, kind of what it can do for you, how it can change you. You know, does, does, does it matter if you go to church or not? Uh, here's kind of the slippery slope when it comes to investing everything that you are and will be into this, this drive for happiness. When we lose sight of absolute truth, when we exchange a life focused on Jesus Christ uh, for happiness, for something else, here's what happens. Uh, and you, these aren't in your notes, but if you want to down, truth comes, this, you know, can become, makes me happy. Whether the are found is what my life talked about so correct today. The like is relative. It's the word relativism. It's the belief or assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. And this is a prevailing thought today that truth is not constant, that it's continually evolving. You know, what used to be wrong 500, 200, 150, 10, or five years ago isn't necessarily wrong or, or the truth today. I can do whatever makes me happy. And a majority of people live like this today. You know, that it's all about what I want, when I want it, what I need. Uh, Another uh, school of thought is this uh, subjectivism. It's the belief that I, that you and I, have the right as our own personal authority to determine what is right or wrong without subjecting to anything else or to anyone else, to any other sort of moral authority. You know, since there is no absolute truth, don't you dare tell me what I can and can't do with my life. It's all up for me to decide. It's all up for me to choose. I'll do whatever makes me happy. And without a foundation in your life, you know, without a security in truth, it's easy to see how our motivation becomes, well, whatever makes me happy. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll choose. That's all that matters. Now, what else? You know, when the relentless pursuit of happiness is your purpose, another thing is that happiness becomes the standard by which we judge all of our actions. You know, I can do this because it makes me happy. If my husband doesn't make me feel right, then I have the right to to choose someone else or to do something about it. I mean, anyways, you know, that guy on Facebook makes me feel very special. You know, whatever I do is justified because my personal happiness is the foundation for my life. It's the money. I have the right to do whatever I want to do to get more of it. You know, why waste my time or time tithing? You know, why waste my money in such a way I can do what I want? What else? You know, if it makes me happy, it must be right. You know, there are a lot of people 
that, that think this way today, that anything goes. And, and since there is no such thing as absolute truth, you know, whatever makes me happy, it must be right. You know, it's like what Cheryl Crow sings, you know, if it, if it makes me happy, you know, it can't be that bad. I thought about singing that for you, but I won't, you know. Since another thing, you know, what else, since God wants me happy, anything that m- makes me unhappy must be bad. Another thing, any kind of discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, any inconveniences or obstacles must not be God's will. You know, because I should be happy all the time. He must be losing control here. And then the last thing, when happiness is our motivation, here's what happens. In time, happiness will become your God. This relentless pursuit of happiness can so easily become the God of your life. I mean, we don't have a lot of people bowing down to statues and idols in the United States of America today. Some do. But instead, our idols take names like comfort and pleasure and security and wealth and stuff and money and happiness, and they're just as dangerous. As long as I'm happy, that's what God wants, right? It's a truest statement. I ran into the water meter cover the other day with my riding lawnmower. It scared me to death. You know, I mean, I had never done it before, and maybe it was the turn I had taken or something. I, I thought I could clear it, and I mean, I was alarmed. Oh, great, what did I do? And, and jumped off. Well, fortunately, it wasn't with the blade. It was just kind of that, that protective cover that surrounds the blade. And so I, I quickly, you know, backed my lawnmower up and took off in the other direction. Well, did it, little did I realize that I had completely thrown the balance of my deck off. And so I, I'm mowing my yard, and I went a couple of strips before I realized that on the one side, uh, it was completely level and balanced and at just the right height. But on the other side, like, I was burning the grass all the way to the dirt. Looked great, you know, and I, and I love taking care of my yard. And so kind of messed me up a bit. And so I, I, I pulled the lawnmower into the garage the other day and got out the manual and step-by-step followed the instructions to appropriately re-level or rebalance, you know, my lawnmower to get this perfect cut. I think every once in a while in our life, we kind of need to step back and think about kind of getting back in balance. Because I think it's so easy to get to one side or the other, to kind of lose focus, uh, to lose, lose course, to lose our way. I think we get a little out of balance in understanding God and who he is and his rightful place in our life and his desires for us. We lose sight of truth and what's most important. And, and everything just kind of sorts of gets, sorts, uh, kind of gets a little uneven. And so I'd like to at least begin or continue the process of balancing our lives this morning as we think about God and our lives and, and even happiness for that matter. And so let me just say this, and, and, and this is kind of what we'll finish up with this morning. And it's a bold statement, but this is where we start. When it comes to happiness, God doesn't want you to be happy. We'll just leave it at that. We'll pray. That's enough for today. And uh, we'll come back next week. No, I'm just kidding. If you're taking notes, write this down. God doesn't want you to be happy when it means you doing something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy when it means you doing something wrong or or unwise or sinful or just plain stupid. Uh, Back uh, a handful of years ago, I was out in Colorado with a couple of my buddies, and uh, we were out there skiing, but it was a really great day uh, in the Denver area, and so we went up to the Boulder area to this particular park to do a little hiking. And we weren't uh, experienced hikers by any means, but we knew how to follow a trail and follow a map and all. And so we, over the course of a couple of hours, I don't know how many thousand feet we climbed, but we made our way to this railroad track. 
It was really fascinating, really cool just to be up that high and to see this railroad. But what was most intriguing was the tunnel that we had come to. And I don't know how long the tunnel was, maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe not quite that long. You could see the other side. But the temptation at that moment, the personal challenge that came at that moment, what if we walked through it to the other side? And the other two guys that I were with, they were all about it. I mean, I was the one holding us back. You know, there's no way. I mean, my mom will find out some way or another, and she will kill me, you know. And if the train doesn't kill me, my mom will kill me. But there was this temptation in the moment, let's just do it. But we didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was the chicken. I, I, I was scared to do it. You know, we go through life, and opportunities present themselves all the time, don't they? You know, we like to think to ourselves, wow, this could be fun, or how cool, what an adventure, I have to do this. You know, God doesn't want you to be happy if it means doing something wrong. And that doesn't mean that God is this great God of unfun stuff, you know, or that life can't be an adventure or anything like that. I believe with all my heart that this world is full of gifts, that this this earth was created, you know, to bring glory to God, but for you and I to enjoy, and there are plenty of blessings to receive. But when we step out of God's will, and our motivation and our drive becomes my happiness at all costs, whatever it takes, well, I just just don't think God's really into that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter writes, just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. I mean, does that mean holiness in some things or in all things? No, I mean, it means in your work, be holy. That means when it comes to your marriage, seek holiness. When it comes to keeping your sexual desires, you know, in the rightful place, it means be holy. And in your free time concerning your finances and everything you do, be holy, be like Jesus. Our personal happiness does not trump our personal holiness in this world, in God's world. I mean, it's like the man in his marriage. He says, you know what? I'm done with this marriage. There's nothing that I'm receiving from it anymore. And so I have the right to get out of this in order to be happy. I mean, the vows, the promise, you know, were in sickness and in health for better, for worse. There was no out clause in those vows for a lack of personal happiness. And so when everything becomes about our personal happiness, that that thinking kind of tends to give us permission to make unwise choices or to do things that that aren't right or against God's will for your life. I mean, God, again, God isn't against personal happiness. The problem is when we put way too much emphasis on our receiving side of those blessings or of that particular happiness. And too much of anything can be bad for you. I mean, it's true in eating. I mean, you might love Swiss cake rolls and you might like, like... You might love Mountain Dew, you know, and you like the combination as they come together, but too much of that stuff, it'll kill you. I don't. I just came up with it. But, you know, maybe shopping, you know. I mean, too much of it. I mean, guess what? MasterCard will find you every month. You know, that's a guarantee. You know, too much physical intimacy in your dating relationship. You know, I have these needs. These needs must be met. You know, this is the way that I'm wired. You know, what if we push the standard a little bit? I mean, for most, it's like, what's the big deal? I mean, God's got plenty of other things to worry about, you know, than what I do with my time. Again, it's like we all create this altar of happiness. And we lay things on and we say, that's what I need, that's what I desire, that's what I crave. It gives me permission to cut corners, to do what I want, to seek happiness. But the truth is that God doesn't want you happy if it means doing something unwise or something wrong. The second thing is this, that God doesn't want you happy when your personal happiness is based on the things of this world. 
I get a kick out of those commercials for products that always are $19.95. It's amazing, you know, I mean, who came up that, with that number? Are any of you a sucker for those ads that, like, I mean, you've just purchased so many of those things? Be honest. Wives, you can grab your husband's hand and force it up in the air if he's done it. Well, I found those, as seen on TV ads, I found a few of them that I thought were kind of interesting uh, to, sh- to show you this morning to look at. Here's the three-minute legs. Yeah, I mean, you just buy that little device and for three minutes work out on that puppy every morning in your house and uh, you can have three-minute legs. Or aqua globes. Anybody have any aqua globes? Uh, there are a few. Davis, you've got an aqua globe. Does it work? You have no idea. Well, is the plant brown or green? That'll have a lot to do with it. But, but there are the aqua globes or, or next, uh, the bedazzler. Friends, rhinestones can change the world, you know. You can attach rhinestones to anything and you're good to go. Next, the juppy, the juppy baby walker. Like this thing, I guess, is so that you don't have to bend over to help your kid walk. Parents, or, uh, your parents may have done it to you. Don't do it to your kids, all right? Don't, don't start them down this path right now. Next one. Oh, Obama coins. So many things I could say right here, but we won't say it. Next one, the Snuggie. Do we have any Snuggie owners? There's some Snuggie owners in the room. I'm seeing some hands go up around the room right now. We've got plenty of, of, of Snuggie owners. I, I turned on the TV this morning while I was eating my bowl of granola, 5.30 in the morning, to infomercials. All right, infomercials drive me crazy. I hate infomercials. We are so consumed with consuming. It's ridiculous. You know, what do I need? What do I want? What is it that will make me happy? And, and our minds go to places where if we get it, then I will have somehow arrived to my ultimate goal. You know, it's like life becomes this perfect pizza of sorts. And if we can get just the right toppings, if we can get just the right ingredients onto our pizza, well, then we're guaranteed happiness. And, and so for you, maybe your ingredient is, is better stuff. You know, this need for the latest and greatest. I need the newest version. I need the biggest engine all the time. That'll make me happy. Maybe for you, it's peace in your life. It's avoiding conflict at all costs. It's avoiding controversy. You've got no tolerance for it at all. And so if you hate your job or you don't like your boss, then go out and get another one. Or maybe it's the constant pursuit of the thrill. So it's the next vacation, the next party, the right restaurant, whatever it takes. Or, Or it's right relationships. You know, I better be happy. If I'm not happy, I want out. You know, if you don't meet my needs, then, then I'm going to find someone else. You know, maybe it's the perfect appearance. You know, I need the new body. I need the, need the new clothes. I need the new hairdo all the time. You know, the so-called perfect ingredients. If we get all of these things of the world onto our personal pan pizza, then for sure it will guarantee our happiness. We'll be happy. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Words of wisdom given to us by John from God. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Which do you love more right now? Do you love God? Or do you love this world? Is it God or this world? I mean, hey, I know that this world has some incredible things to offer. I enjoy them. I I, I pursue them just as you do. And God may bless you with them. God may give you wealth. 
God may choose to give you material possessions. And it's not that God is against our happiness or against us having nice things. He just doesn't want things having you. And when you serve these things and when these things all become your motivation for life, it's kind of like you're bowing down to these false gods. But as John says, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. And the last thing, and here's what God wants for you. Here's the truth. God doesn't want to make you happy, but he does want to bless you. And the Greek word for blessed here is the word makarios. This word makarios, it means supremely blessed. Endlessly blessed. Beyond what we can imagine. It means more than happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Happiness is based on circumstances. And circumstances and happiness don't always turn out. Happenings don't always turn out for the good. God wants you more than happy. He wants to bless you. You know, and blessings are not of this world. They come from heaven. Psalm chapter 112, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man. You know, they're different version. Yeah, no, here we go. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. You know, blessed is the man or the woman who embraces truth, who, who makes their foundation God, who says that Jesus is the way, that he will be the center, that he will be the focus of my life, that we seek to honor God. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who, who, who fears the Lord, but who finds great delight in his commands and his teaching. Notice that it doesn't say, pursue what you want. You know, go what after makes you happy. You know, do what you think you need to do in order to feel right. You know, who is blessed? If you believe scripture, it is the one who fears the Lord. The one who finds delights in the ways and the teachings of Jesus. It's not happy based on circumstances. It's so much more than that. God wants to bless you. You know, not only in, in, in the great times and the great seasons and the exciting seasons of life, but God is ready to bless you and even in the darkest and the most challenging too. I'm, I'm reading a book right now that I'll finish up here in the next couple of days that I, I challenge any of you to read. It's called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And, and he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and how God lives inside of those who, who call upon his name, who, who confess to be Christians. Uh, and we forget that. I mean, we really forget that. And, and I love, as I was reading this story this week, I just couldn't help but think about this particular message and, and seeking the blessing of God, even in the most difficult circumstances. Because, hey, I, I know some of you are going through some really difficult circumstances right now. Here's what he writes. I, I recently had dinner in Seoul, Korea with an amazing man. He was one of 23 missionaries who were held hostage by the Taliban in Afghanistan in July 2007. For those who don't recall the story, the Taliban executed two of the missionaries before a deal was reached with the government of South Korea and the missionaries were released. This man told me about the horrors of being locked up in a cell, knowing that martyrdom was a strong possibility. He also shared about the amazing time they had on the last day that they were all imprisoned together. Their captors had divided them into groups of three and, and took them to remote areas. Each of the 23 missionaries on that day surrendered their lives to God and told him that they were willing to die for his glory. There was even an argument amongst the group about who would get to die first. One of them had a small Bible that the missionary secretly ripped into 23 pieces so that each could glance at a scripture when no one was watching. The word of God and the spirit of God got to them, got through them through the 40 days of imprisonment. One of the fascinating things this man told me was about what has happened since. Now that they have been back in Seoul for a while, several team members have asked him, don't you wish we were still there? 
he tells me that several of them experience a deep kind of intimacy with God in the prison cell that they haven't been able to recapture in their comfort. This is the precious gift of intimacy the Holy Spirit offers us. It is a security that is priceless and worth any loss of safety and comfort, even imprisonment by the Taliban. I mean, what was it? Oh, this kind of impossible to explain, you know, blessing that resulted from God's goodness and God's presence. You know, if you're going through a difficult time right now, God is ready and he is able to bless you if you'll seek him. I mean, do you have to go to Afghanistan to be blessed by God? No. Do you have to experience rough times in your life or devastation or disaster to be blessed by God? No. No, even in the midst of pain, though, even in the midst of tragedy and loss, we can be blessed. We can be more than happy. We can be blessed. It's this supreme kind of blessing. It's living for God. It's trusting God. It's saying that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that God can deliver more in that than we could ever seek in our own personal uh, goal of happiness. Max Lucado once wrote, Would a fish be happy on the beach? And we were in Florida back a few weeks ago. I I love being on the beach and playing with the kids. We were there for a wedding slash vacation. And uh, one of my favorite things to do with the boys, because they're into like things and bugs and stuff like that right now, was to catch fish. And so uh, I'd get out into the water. It was clear water and put on the goggles and had a net and would just get in the water and see if I could, you know, catch these little, you know, minnows. And every once in a while, I'd catch one that was like three inches long, you know, hold it up in the air. Look what I caught. And you know, what my boys quickly realize is they took these fish and they put them in these buckets and they don't live very long. And you get them out of the water and you get them up onto the sand, they don't live very long. Now, I, that doesn't make sense to me, you know, put me under an umbrella, give me a chair, give me a book, give me the heat and the water and everything. I, I, I could spend a lot of time at the beach. But here's a problem for the fish. The fish wasn't made for the beach. The fish was made for the ocean. Now, some of you are here today and you've been terribly disappointed in your outcome, this outcome in life to this point. I mean, you've tried everything. You've pursued happiness at every cost, every expense. And you're here today, and if you're completely honest with yourself, or some of you know that you're still unhappy. I have a word from God for you this morning. Like the fish and, and the beach, I want you to know that you and I were not made for this world. You and I, we will never find happiness in the temporary things of this world. This, this things of this world can, will come to an end. The earth can be a great place, you know, that we can enjoy, but it's not heaven, and it wasn't meant to be. And some of you here this morning, and you need to realize that you have ex, you've set your expectations so low with, with the new look or the new basement or the new house or the new baby or the new income. And again, nothing are, is wrong with any of these things in and of themselves, but if it's your only motivation, you will be so disappointed in this world. You and I weren't made for this earth. We were made for heaven. You and I were made for God. We were made for Jesus. Do you want him? Let's pray. And God, as we bow our heads together this morning, we just pray, would you wipe away these false beliefs that we so easily embrace? God, we are so easily distracted by the things of this world. Our our motivation becomes stuff. What can I get? Happiness, whatever it takes. We acknowledge this motivation in us today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, I want to ask you a question this morning. 
Are you doing something wrong in your life right now and justifying it by saying it makes me happy? Are you justifying something unwise or something sinful in your life because you believe it will make you happy? Uh, If this is you and you are tired of living this way, would you raise your hand with nobody looking around this morning so that I can pray for you? Just do that right now. If you just want to say to God, God, I I don't want to live this way anymore. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for the one in the back, a couple in the back. By raising your hand, you're saying, God, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living this way. I want to be freed from this truish thinking. Forgive me, God. Go ahead and ask God to forgive you right now. Just say, God, will you forgive me? Tell God what's wrong in your life, and he will hear from you and forgive you. I've got good news for you. If you pray that you are forgiven, we pray, God, clean us out. We acknowledge these false beliefs and these sinful actions. We, we ask now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us to see that happiness is not the goal, but holiness. Empower us through your grace, God. Change us. Make us more like Jesus today. With every head still bowed, let me tell you that you being here today is not an accident. You've been on this journey through life, desperately searching for meaning and significance. God had in mind for you to be here today, and this was the message for you. You've been searching for happiness and meaning in everything but God. You've looked to money. Maybe you've looked to marriage, your kids, or that drug. You've been searching in everything but God, and nothing delivers. You've been searching for happiness, and you sit here today unhappy. My friend, you were not created for this world. You were created for God. It's your sin and my sin that separates us from God. Jesus, though, Jesus has made a way. He is the truth. He is the life, and no one comes to God. No one finds their way in this world outside of God, but Jesus has made the way. It's his death and his resurrection that have provided that way back to God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it, but it's a free gift, and it's available to you this morning. There are those of you here today, and God brought you here for this moment, and today is the day that Jesus can become the very center of your life. With every head bowed right now, if you would like to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this morning. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed. Would you just please raise your hand right up now so that I can pray for you this morning? Thank you for those hands in the room today. Thank you for those prayers. Thank you for those commitments. Don't be ashamed. Pray this prayer with me wherever you're sitting right now. God in heaven, take every bit of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins and make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you. My life does not belong to you or belong to me. It belongs to you. Amen. Amen.